Hey guys, this is Joe Costello from Hidden Horsepower. Just wanted to let you know about the next Engine Performance Expo. We're talking about January 13th and 14th. We're going to be live streaming the entire event on YouTube. That's right. No more sign in or register or any of that. Just go to YouTube and you can do it right now and search Engine Performance Expo. Expo. Subscribe, click the bell for notifications, and then when we go live January 13th and 14th, you won't miss a second. We're going to have some of the best engine builders in the world all there talking about the ins and outs of engine building and high performance. In the meantime, let's kick it back out to the previous Engine Performance Expo for an amazing interview we did with Mr. Roy Johnson. The following is brought to you by Total Seal Piston Rings, the leader in ring seal technology. TotalSeal.com. Back to the Engine Performance Expo. We are live in studio. Another hidden horsepower with Celebrity Engine Builder Lake. I'm super excited about this one because we're in Bristol, Tennessee, Thunder yep. Valley Nationals this weekend, Bristol Dragway, and we talk about Bristol. Roy Johnson. Grew up here, been racing at Bristol since what, like 1965? Well, when I, <clears throat> IHRA started, I, I won their first super stock race. When was that? 70? Who knows? <laughs> I probably wasn't even born yet. 67. <laughs> uh, maybe the 68 or 9, I can't remember. So, but, but let's go before that, because they built the racetrack, Larry Carrier oh. and those guys. And so what were you doing prior to then? And then they built this amazing super track right in your backyard and give you a playground that obviously fundamentally changed your life. Well, at that time I was a woman be anything. And I think I started out there with a 62 Plymouth. And that was AHRA, I think. I believe that's what it started with. And I did have some trophies or place winning stuff, mm -hmm. you know, but I think it's all rotted and fell apart. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you, how'd you, what got you into drag racing? What made you choose? That's just something I've always wanted to do. Okay. I, first, I started round tracking. All right, yeah, a lot of circle track around here, lots. Yeah, anyway, we ran at Sportsman Speedway and mm -hmm. one over at Kingsport. Mm-hmm. And I worked day and night with that. And my friend started wanting me to go help him on Sunday in a drag car. Okay. And I loved that too. So that's really, you might say, what got me into it was him. I was a mechanic online at the Chrysler place. Okay. And I wanted to have the fastest Chrysler car around. And I think you ended up achieving that, by the way. <laughs> Well, this was long before that come along. We were, we were just, uh, I think he had a GTX 67, GTX 440. We mm. go over to a little yeah. drag strip over in Kingsport. And that's when I met Airwood. You know, when I partnered with Airwood and Johnson, that was in 68. Okay. And we just advanced from there. And then, uh, Along about 70, I guess. No, 78. The crunch hit with gas and yep. the crisis. Yep. I, I had to quit everything. I said, I'm done racing. Never do it again. <laughs> Famous <laughs> last words. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Along came Alan, and you know mm -hmm. the rest of the story. Yep. Yes. But that's what got me into it is my friend 
me working as a mechanic, my dream is to have a fastest Mopar and been able to help him run his car at Kingsport. That was before Bristol came on. Well, that makes sense, right? If, if you're a mechanic working at a dealership and, hey, yeah, I'm a Mopar guy, you want to have the fastest Mopar. Right? That makes total sense. Well, I, exactly what I was going to key in on as well. It's like, this is your work. You want to prove that you know what you, you're doing. Like, you felt a connection to those machines so crazy in the world you know of, of high performance cars you feel connection with john a little earlier pontiac mm -hmm. right you with uh chrysler and mopar you you were connected your soul was connected and it lasted 50 years later yeah yeah that's where it all started is first i wouldn't i did not want to work on a ford i did not want to work on a chevrolet i wanted to work on chrysler products and the only place you do that go get a job at the dealership okay and it was tough. So where did that come from? Where, where did that connection to Mopar come from? Like, like what John was saying was, was getting a ride in his uh, sister's boyfriend's GTO. What what was it for you? Well, I I guess I was a fan of Petty's. Okay. Yep. That's fair enough. Yeah. And Weaversville on track over here in Weaversville, mm -hmm. North Carolina. The wife and I and the family go over early on Sunday morning and get to park right in the second turn mm -hmm. and sitting there watching them. And then I became another friend, took me over to Petty's, right. met Maurice and all of them in their shop. And that just sold me, I guess. Yeah, yeah. That makes total sense. And this was early days of my marriage. We didn't have enough money to go to Petty's. I rode with somebody <laughs> else. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so that's just, I don't know, it just, I guess, uh, surroundings drove yeah. me to it. Yeah, I got it. So how did Alan get into racing? If, if you were sworn it off after the gas crunch and everything, how did that come back? Well, I guess it came back. I started driving a little Opal and Comp Eliminator, Competition Eliminator, okay. NHRA. Yeah. And we were still running... I guess I need to back up a little bit. We started running my 62 and my Challenger, and Alan wanted to drive, and that's where he started out with my 62 car. And then I got into the competition eliminator because I'd sold all of my stuff because mm -hmm. I had to quit. And Alan was racing, and two kids trying to go to college, and he was trying to go to college, had two kids that we kept of a night for him. And I sold everything. I said, we're done racing. Nobody can afford it. You yeah. certainly can't with two kids. And so he got lucky in 95, and he'd come, and he said, we're going racing again. I said, no, you can go on. <laughs> and so he brought a little dragster car, Super Gas at 990. Yes. Yeah, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. And we started going to a few races, and... But we, he'd run that car, but we'd come back and go watch Pro Stock and Competition Eliminator. Mm -hmm. and in the beginning, he said, we'll build a comp car. And I said, no, we can't chase the pencil. And then it said, he said... Uh, chase the pencil? Yeah, the, you know, you run fast and they'll pencil you down, you know. Got it. You know, <laughs> Got it. Like now, they, they do the index part now. Yes. And you do it yourself. But then it was pencil time. But... Uh, he said, we're going pro stock racing. I said, oh, Bob Glidden <laughs> told him. He said, boy, you're the craziest yeah. man in the world go pro stock racing. And 
We did. <laughs> yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Did. Fast forward, they won. <laughs> they won. Wow, that's great. But you made you made a point though with Alan, like education was a big deal. Like he, you know, he, from what I understand, you told him like, hey, you know, you got to go to college. You got to get an education. Otherwise, like we're doing nothing. Right. Um, well, at that time, he, him and his wife both was going to college. And I said, man, you cannot mess with this race car and pass grades in college because, you know, a race car, it's 24-7, really. Yep. And so he kind of got mad at me for a little while, but he's glad now that I did. That, that was the Allen story of Kelly. I guess I ran him off, but he didn't really run off. He came right back <clears throat> when he got his education and got him a job, and and as he owns the company now. Well, I, so, I always say the family that races together stays, stays together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's, that's, so I, I know from my, my, me and my dad, that's some of our favorite experiences and memories are going racing together. Sure. It, it, sometimes it's not even the time at the track. It's the drive to the race, the, the chance to talk and and do things can be big. So I think you're 100% right on that, Joe. And, and, and for those that aren't, you know, aren't involved, it's like really hard to create a, that scenario, right? Like over the road, an hour and a half, two hours just to get there. The great conversations, fathers, yep. sons, fathers, daughters, et cetera. That bonding time, the hard work, you know, getting kicked in the teeth proverbially. Like, yep. that, like that's, those are experiences that you can't create in the regular world. Racing creates it. So when you came back to go pro stock racing, were there any other Mopars running then? Uh, the, the, well, the Dodge Boys. I think. Okay. Yeah, the Dodge Boys were running. And Forgive we could, me, I'm, I'm a NASCAR guy. I don't know all the <laughs> NHRA <laughs> history. It was, it, was a, right, so. it was kind of a big thing. They had uh, a big thing going. Yeah, the, yeah. I guess uh, we was when we was thinking about it, watching the pro stock, I guess Daryl and Scott was doing right. it real well. And we started out, I wanted to buy an engine from them. I only said, just buy one of their old engines that'll get us started. And we wound up, couldn't buy nothing, so we got Steve Smith. Yeah. Smith, you remember? Yes. In Indianapolis. He agreed to build us, if we do two motors, and then Billy Stepp's dad, uh, he agreed to do two motors. So that's the only way Steve would do the motors because it's totally different from his Chevrolet. Mm -hmm. So that that was a good start for me. Steve built two motors. He built two for Bill and them. And I took it from there after a year or so. Steve was didn't want to mess with the Mopar as much anymore because it's so different. You know? Right, yeah, very different. And uh, I kind of took it from there and started trying to learn and advance, you know. So had you, I mean, you hadn't, I mean, when you were racing yourself, did you build your own stuff? Yes. Okay, yeah. all right, okay. Yeah, I always, even around track, I always yeah. built my own stuff. But uh, the Pro Stock was totally a different scenario. That has got to be the steepest learning curve I've ever heard of. Right. To, oh. jump, to jump out of not building racing engines for 20 years, probably sounds like, or 10 years. Yeah. Let's go and Pro then, Stock racing. Right. Yeah. Oh. I know, it's, it's, uh, look. Well, Steve, he's having PTSD to the moment right now. It's like, oh man. Uh, Steve was a big help to me to get started because he let me see everything was going right. on, and I saw everything he was doing, mm -hmm. and I probably never could have got started if I'd just done it all from scratch, you know. Right, right, right. But uh, so I, I stepped through that, 
and then Dale Ike, you remember the late Dale? Yes. Dale Ike got involved with Mopar, and he advanced the cylinder head in a little bit. As Bob Glidden said, they call them Pony Dodge heads. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Bob Glidden called it, said Pony Dodge heads. But anyway, Dale built a motor, and it was kind of totally different than what Steve was doing. And for some reason, Dale and Mopar split, and he called me wanting to sell the motors to me. Well, we didn't, hadn't really hit on anything yet, so right. I told Alan, I said, what should we do? And he said, hey, we'll get them all down here, and let's dyno them, then we'll pick out two of the best ones. Sure. So he had six or seven motors, so and one of his guys brought them all to my shop, and he stayed there till we dynoed them. And we picked out, we I put the one motor on the dyno, the last one we done, and as soon as I pulled the lever on, I said, whoa, that's right there. That's the motor <laughs> I want. So we wound up with that motor <clears throat> and options on another one. Right. And that's the one we won Columbus with. I'm sorry. Richmond, Virginia, okay. our fir very first race, 98, 97. Okay. Anyway, that's what got me started because thanks to Ike, I learned enough off of that that yeah. I could take it and just keep advancing. Right. So some, some of the details though, uh, you know, then that your previous engine experience collided with the realities of pro stock. Can you, can you share anything there? Because we talk about it all the time. Like, this is just another level, another gear of refinement, of precision, of thinking about, uh, you know, valve geometry, what's happening in the engine. Do you recall anything that just in the time you, you know, surprised you or kind of blew you away that that was what it took? Well, to build a pro stock motor, my best one, to my worst one, they all use, you have to do the same things. They just got to learn that it is so fine-tuned or fine like a piece of jewelry, you know? Yep. It's got to be just right. And as I look back in the early days of my start, I wondered how they even cranked up. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's so stupid. <laughs> and, yeah. And it got down to where at the end, you know, it, it just, you did it, everything, it has to be, as I always told my guys, what you did today is not good enough tomorrow. Right. I don't care how good you are today, it won't get it tomorrow. You gotta keep refining every move you make. Right. Yeah, you didn't start off with a profilometer. No, <laughs> I did But you ended up with one. Yeah, <laughs> I sure did. But uh, uh, that, in the old days, I used to sit home like this, and my wife would spray kerosene on it. <laughs> in the backyard and all that crap run out yeah. the ground you know yeah. that's where i started and today you have one of these cnc's to yeah. do it for you so that's how refined it got yeah well i mean the thing about it i mean i look at pro stock and you're talking about thousands of a second i mean a couple weeks ago right i mean matt got beat by greg by what like so six thousandths or something, yeah. and then Erica wins uh, St. Louis by what one thousandths? I mean, it's that's an insane level of competition. And that includes the driver and all the gear shifting and and all the time and effort and work and man hours to come up on the short end of that. It's got to be a bit of a heartbreaker. 
Yep, I've been on both ends of it. Just like Bristol, mm -hmm. the year that we tied Mike Edwards, he won. Mm -hmm. we yes, won, we the closest won. race ever. Yeah, and uh, what did he lose by just, well, it was a tie, they said. With like zero, zero, yeah. zero out into the, you know. That, <laughs> you know. that just broke us. I mean, we just about died after that. I bet. Well, because this is your home track, too, yes. right? I mean, that, that's mm -hmm. got to be something where, I mean, you come into your home turf, right? It's like everybody else, yeah, we race against these guys all year long, but this is my backyard. Yeah. Well, it came down to that thousands of a second. Mm -hmm. It was all on the starting line. Unreal. I don't want to bring up negative stuff, but it, it's illuminating to me that you uh, you kept going. Uh, Alan was involved in one of the most serious pro stock crashes that I've ever seen. And even to this day, people talk about it, you know, barrel rolling, pirouetting, all of that stuff. I've got a little personal connection to it, but that was kind of early in the pro stock endeavor. And you, and you guys kept going. You, you said, yes. uh, we're going to keep on going through this. What was that like for you? Well, I stayed as a starting line. <clears throat> Listen, Rick Stewart was a starter then. And I said, Rick, are they talking down there? And he said, yeah. And Rick held his microphone out or speaker where I could mm -hmm. hear and whoever went to it I can't remember the guy's name was the first one to the car and said well he's unbuckling getting out there you go there yeah is. yeah just Good having on. something right this is yeah. having some inkling I remember um my dad crashed at Pocono and I was a teenager and so I ran gas so every each pit stop you, only, you can only have two cans of gas in the pits right so when you get to the pit stop, you have to run back to the pumps and refill. So I'm running gas back, and of course I can hear in the radio to crash. This was your dad crashed. Yeah, yeah. So dad crashed yeah. me at Pocono. The car's up in the air and all this mess. In Pocono, by the way. Right. It's, yeah. a, it's a big, big mess. It's a turn crash. one too, right? I mean, the longest, fastest mm. straightaway, and he crashes in the wall and nothing. You hear nothing. And I didn't seem until they wheel him in on a stretcher into the infield care center. And it's, it's the time. I can't imagine. Yeah. I mean, the ability to have that little glimpse into, okay, he, at least he's unbuckling. has got to be like just the biggest sigh of relief. Yeah, sure you don't know. Wife what, had to hate that, though. Oh, she about went crazy. I would, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, she went running down mm -hmm. the return road or whatever. Mm -hmm. She got down there when he was getting out of the car. And, uh, of course, I just stood there, and it seemed like it was a day from the time he wrecked till I heard something already. Oh, uh, I'm sure, yeah. I'm, I'm sure. sure. I'm sure. But he got back in the car. My personal connection to that is I was bracket racing pretty heavily at the time, and we were looking for a set of tires. Mm -hmm. So we were walking through the pits, and uh, takeoffs on a pro soccer were perfect for the car we had at the right. time. And uh, you guys had a set of tires for sale, and I bought them for 150 bucks. <laughs> Gator Nationals, that's the race yeah. I go to every year. Yeah. So we went back, put them on our Supercom tracks or, or uh, the car we had at the time, which memory kind of eludes me right now. But um, so the interaction, we had talked to you guys about them. And so we were focused heavily on you. This is the Amico car at the time. Yes. We were focused heavily. You guys run, like, if not the only Dodge out there at the time, like, thought you were cool people and you were super nice. And, you know, the idea of, like, a bracket well, racer you. going up to a... Uh, well, nice. well, <laughs> well, that was before. Now, <laughs> now I'm not so sure. But, and, and, you know, you have an interaction with someone and then you're connected right. to them for right. the rest of the weekend. Mm -hmm. And then the incident was just a horrific nightmare. But 
you know, Alan gets out and you guys came back and the best days of your team were ahead of you. And uh, I just thought that was great how you kept the, you know, kept going. Well, another negative is 07, I had a heart attack. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I remember that, yeah. We didn't qualify in... Sorry. No, you're good, no. man. Listen, this is why we wanted you to be on yeah. here, man, to get a chance to tell your story, man. Real, it's, real life. It, it's, he, everyone knows Alan, because he was the guy out there running in front. But he doesn't run down the track without you. And That's father true. and son together, and... That's why we wanted you to be here to be able to have a chance for you to tell your story. So, yeah, your your real emotion is real, and don't be afraid to share it because it's we we everybody's got to know that. Yeah, they got to know that it takes heart and soul. When you pour your heart and soul into this, that's the right emotion to have. Now we came back after the heart attack. <clears throat> Motor wise. Sorry, guys. No, good, don't, don't, don't be, good. don't be. Hey, you know, you, you made it. And the people that cared about you all rallied around you at that time. I right. remember that. I wasn't working for NHRA at that time, but I was a fan and I was paying attention. And, you know, anytime you hear it, uh, someone in the extended family has a problem. I didn't understand now that I work out there on a weekly basis to think about that connection. Um, it's just amazing how it was able to come together and you guys were able to go on to great things. But it had to be scary. I didn't have time to get scared on that one, really. I went down to the track. They carried me in. <clears throat> and the guy said, we don't see nothing. All your signs are right. They took an x-ray of my chest. Mm -hmm. And I remember... The boy coming in, he said, here's his problem. That's the last thing I remembered till I woke up upstairs. Wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. So we went on from that point, and it seemed like the lights got brighter. I started seeing new motor combinations, and that's when we started kicking butt. It was all after that. After that. How about that? Yeah. yeah. So if you look back at our record on about 2009-10 is when I hit on a new motor combination. And we started running up front. And at the time, uh, we just had so much power we couldn't control the car, you know. So right. we had to look at a different chassis option. And uh, that's when things start happening and we started qualifying. I was looking at statistics before I came up here. I wish I had brought them, but what, 27, 28 wins, uh, 400 and some starts. I know we, after the fact, we over 500 starts, you know. But, right. Uh, so, I guess during the heart attack, thinking things brightened up and I saw the light yeah well and you know don't ever feel bad about getting emotional because thinking about thinking about none of those things that you've experienced that Alan experienced I don't think they happen if it goes the other way on that day and of course like you got to be here for so many great things 
after yeah. it. And it didn't have to go that way. Well, it's, it's that second chance. It's like, hey, I saw the light. It's like, yeah. hey, man, life is short. I, 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 if I'm going to do this, we're giving it all. Yeah. And then you find that next thing. I mean, you guys, yeah, y'all are dominant. I mean, let's just be honest. So which chassis did you switch to to get uh, um, power to the ground? Unless that's top secret. No, it's not. <laughs> so Haas car. We yeah. went to Jerry Haas car, and we brought in a shock specialist. And I think that car is still out there, isn't it? Yeah, it's for Bound. sale somewhere. Okay. The, the oh, championship yeah, car. Okay. Yeah. I saw it on Facebook not long ago. Somebody's wanting to sell it. But it was, it was different thinking, and I connected with some of my old connections mm -hmm. at Mopar Chrys right. Chrysler. At that time, he was in NASCAR. Who was that? Ted Flack. I thought so. I thought that made yeah. Ted Flack. And I said, Ted, we need help in the back yeah. of the car. And he said, well, I can't help you. I said, why not? You know somebody that can. So anyway... That's where Adam Lambert came in. Oh, yeah. Okay, so yeah. if people don't know Adam Lambert, yeah. he's shot a, guy. Yeah. We don't want to say any more than that, but yeah. And uh, at that time, it was Penske, and they yeah. brought him on as a team member with mm -hmm. us. And that's when we come up with a new shop. I guess they still use today, or probably a spinoff right. of Yeah. But that, that helped us along. We had more power. We got it to the ground, mm -hmm. and we st was able to start kicking butt. Yeah, and, and everything shocks now, like the shocks they're using, they lower down, uh, out the way down the track. Is is that what you were using, or was that like a? We had it all. Okay, <laughs> so there was innovation. See, I, I'm totally okay with that. Like that was an innovation that uh, became the standard. Well, in the beginning, see, there was nothing in the rule book. It just said a shock, you know. Right. So we had uh, a cylinder in it that let it down in the light, mm -hmm. or after it got in high gear, sure. let the back of the car down. And then we had uh, electric graphing to where it grafted mm -hmm. the shocks and it would soften the blow to help it get over the hump. Right. Yeah. And you have to think. Yeah, but drag racing is just going straight, guys. So. There's not a lot to it. Yeah, but you'll see you'll see this weekend at Bristol how bumpy the track is. That you know helped you get oh, over. Oh that. yeah, I said think about how many cars do spin the tires not just at the starting line but down the track, oh. and that's 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 the end of the run right there. You know, uh, Bristol's got the tunnels. And Charlotte's got some tunnels mm -hmm. like that, yeah. and oh, it was one of the other tracks that was a little bumpy. Can't remember. I guess at Houston it has a water issue that you always got you in mm -hmm. trouble. You know? But uh, and we've had some resurfacing lately. There have been like three or four tracks have been resurfaced over the years that maybe were bumpy back in the day. I know Gainesville got bumpy for a while, not quite as bumpy as those other ones. Yeah, but um, I guess Dallas was the leader in modern tracks. Yes. Dallas, the yes. concrete all the way. Yes. You know that was that was nice came from there yeah it's great we miss you out there honestly i think well yeah. i don't really miss the racing i don't re really miss all the hard work but i miss all the friends yeah the people yeah all oh, the people. you uh, earlier i looked out there and it's you and wj and yeah. john kazi and callie's talking i'm like this is i just want to be a fly on the wall well i mean uh, 
course, it's kind of hard for me to hold WJ. He's got more lies to tell than I do. <laughs> uh, we'll get to those. But wait, 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 we'll wait, 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 wait. So he does have one on John Cozzi, though. Oh. So tell, tell, tell the story about Cozzi. <laughs> well, he got mad long ago. <laughs> they had a 50-foot Nationals at Muncie, Indiana. 50-foot. That's all we're running. Yeah, 50-foot. They had probably 400 cars there. Didn't John, matter what kind of car it was. Didn't matter. I run rails. I run funny cars. I run street cars. I run everything. But you, it was a three-tenths tree. In other words, blank. Yep. An go. instant tree. Uh, to get a good light, you had the deep stage. Yep. And uh, 100 cars, when it come down to the end, it was John and I lived. <laughs> he had a Mustang, and I had my Dodge Challenger at the right. time. And what did he say? He read. He, he read, yeah. <laughs> he he got, still remembers it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was that was cool racing, you know. And just on Saturday night, and whatever you, whatever kind of car was there, street cars, any. It of, didn't matter. Yeah. It didn't matter. You just get to get in the lane, and whatever you come up against, that's who yeah, you run. The three tenths, three and fifty foot is going to be ready for you get into second gear. Oh no, no, no. First gear, no, rang it out. No, just. Let her go. Awesome. Foot break. Foot break. Ah, even better. Awesome. That's cool. Awesome. Let's talk about the championship year because, uh, you know, all of this that we talked about would be a great story, but the championship was like the culmination of all of it. In 2012, you guys were able to go out there and best the whole world of pro stock. We just saw Greg Anderson win his 98th win. He was there. Jason Lyon was there. Yes. All of these people were there, and you, you beat them all. Um, when you look back at that season, what made the difference? Uh, we... We were still refining the car chassis mm -hmm. shock deal. We brought on another consultant with us to help our crew chief, and all of it just fell in place. And we was what made us win it. We was a lot more consistent on Sunday. Yeah. You know, Alan was driving good. The car would go down the track, and that's what I say: it's consistent. Right. Being able to click off the same thing every time. And that's got to be super challenging with all the changes in the atmosphere and stuff. I mean, I, I remember when, first started, when I first started coming around the pro stock stuff. I mean, you were nice enough to let me come to the shop and talk to me about stuff. And, um, you know, taking a dominator and then splitting the dominator, the, the number of manifolds you guys had to go through. I mean, it, it's, there was, it seemed like there's, back then at least, there was like an infinite number of things you could change. So the chances of you dialing yourself out were probably better than chances of you're dialing yourself in. For sure. You you can, you know, everybody says you race the dyno. You don't race that at the track, you no. know. <laughs> yeah. And uh, a lot of times you, man, look at this power. And we learned real quick the power we made on the dyno didn't always work at the racetrack. <laughs> so that's what you had to be so careful with. You had to take what you learn on the dyno and go to a test or mm -hmm. If you was qualified well, maybe stick it in one run where you can compare it to everybody else. And sometimes you wasn't near as smart as you thought you were. Because <laughs> you dial yourself out, as you say. So, thinking about that split dominator, that was one of the things I was like, that's kind of cool. Where did that come from? Where, where, what was the origin of taking a dominator and cutting it in half and then moving it? I don't know. We couldn't do that with NHRA Pro Stock. That's okay. mountain motor. Okay. I think a mountain motor, they're... Uh, Cylinder heads are so far apart mm -hmm. and so much bigger than what we use. I think 
That was probably Ricky Smith days. You know, may, I, may have brought that I in. I think Glidden might have done it until they told him to stop. You think so? I, I, it's in there somewhere. We can uh, double check. But then again, I, well, you know, like uh, four twos instead of two fours. Yeah. Right? I mean, it, it kind of makes sense to put them right over the uh, the intake. But uh, I mean, but think about me. How many manifolds? I mean, it has to be like an almost uncountable number of sheet metal manifolds. Well, you had to have in my through. upstairs of my forgotten about stuff, mm -hmm. you can go up there now and there's a pile and fill that room right there. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah. All right, another uh, aspect of your career that you and Alan had just unbelievable dominance in Denver at Bandemir Speedway, the Dodge or Mopar Mile High Nationals. So you win like four in a row there. And during that era, you'd go there, it was almost an automatic win. Like just chalk these guys up and sure enough, you go there and win the race. I didn't tell him about this. I didn't prompt him at all. I promise. You, this you, is just a statement I of fact. I said nothing about what our conversation. What did that. he say? I didn't say a he word. Didn't. Didn't he? What you won four in a row, didn't you? I don't know. I I think we were in the final ten times and won eight. What did he tell you, Lake? What's the story? I, I listen. We were just chatting when I was asking him to be a guest. Did he say not on bring the it Performance up? Expo? He maybe has shared a little bit of insight huh? on how that was maybe a happy accident of the combination uh, he did on there. Oh, and yeah. I didn't tell him anything Nothing. about that. No, I've been on. I follow drag racing. No, you're talking about the gear set. Yes, sir. I didn't mention that. So here, if you want to tell us, tell them. When uh, in the early days, and I'm not sure it was the first year or the second year. Okay. You know, we'll go to Denver. We had uh, whatever transmission you were running. At that time, we were all running Craig's stuff, Liberty. Yep. So I was procrastinating, but I was working on motors. Right. I said, hey, we ain't got no gears for Denver. You always have to change transmission gear. And we're in. And I call up Craig, Craig, I need a gear set for Denver. Roy, you know, I never even thought about you. I don't have anything left. What, what, what am I going to do? I said, Craig, what am I going to do? He said, let me look and see if I can find anything that you might be able to use. Now, before you go on, explain why you need different gears yeah. and transmissions just at Denver. Right. Well, there's no air and you make no power there. And the power is all probably close to 200 horsepower. Uh, off, just, cause off. That, just, just because of the altitude. Yeah. And so what do you gotta do? You know, it's, uh, it's you gotta have something to make up the power. Right. And that's why we changed rear end gear. We tried to change tire size down to a little smaller diameter. Mm -hmm. And we changed transmission ratio. So when you let the clutch out, you can get that weight moving right mm -hmm. then. And back to the story with Craig, he calls me up and he said, Roy, I don't have anything that I think you can run out there, but he said, I've got one gear set left that I'll send it to you and use it for nothing, you know. And it was way off from what, I didn't know what should run, but it was way off from what he said I needed. Yeah, right. And I said, send the darn thing on, we'll make it work some way or another. And that, I think that's when we really hit on, you got to have more gear than you think you do, rear end, transmission, and a smaller tire than you think you do. That was the three or four things I really focused on. I didn't change nothing but the motor, really, other than just a little tune-up stuff. Mm -hmm. And we just hit on that, 
and we kept it pretty much to ourselves, you know, for a long time. But right. I have to say that Craig accidentally gave you a gift. Gave me a gift. That's incredible. That is incredible. <laughs> Everybody else out there is. <laughs> yeah. Because for all the NHRA pros, Dr. Roos, you love this stuff. How cool is that? Right. Like some happy accident. Well, because now, you know, we, we talk about it a lot on the broadcast team. Like everybody's shifting faster. Like it, it's just a totally different animal up there. And you guys had this dominance. And so memory serves me right. Because you guys tested a, a ahead of time. Alan used to always tell me, oh, well, we tested and we learned yeah. some things in the test. Yeah. <laughs> was that was he making up a story or you guys Alan wouldn't do that would he? No. <laughs> was like, you know, watch any of the F1 races and oh. listen to Lewis Hamilton yeah. just totally sandbag and lie the whole race yes. oh, we don't know. <laughs> so the front tires are going away fastest lap <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is great though that is great and and that uh, that dominance lasted a long period of time but then uh, you know eventually they caught up oh yeah well, I think uh, we had leased some motors uh, and had other team members there. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we had to do some of the same things to their car. And, of course, we control mostly what went in their car. Right. And they didn't know a whole lot of it, but they could look on the computer graph and figure it out. And I think some of them did and probably shared that. Right. It gets around. I mean, it, yeah. no, no, nothing stays secret forever. It's amazing you held it as long as you did. Well, Alan always drove good there for some reason. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at his driving there. He he was always in the thick of it, except when he run Larry Morgan that time. That's hard, but you got a stage. <laughs> yeah. A you know, two-minute burn down, which was like the longest burn down we had seen until this year. Yeah. But at least they got to race. Yeah. Right? This year. Yeah, yeah that was in the final one. <laughs> yep. But... Uh, we enjoyed that. Uh, being Denver Chrysler sponsored it. It was a big always, deal, right? It always uh, gave us a boost in the arm to work harder, yeah. too, you know. So, talking about Ted Flack and the Mopar guys, I mean, talk about that. What, 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 what does that mean to your program to have somebody like Ted and have that factory support? Well, that just got us over another hurdle, I'll say. I mean, if you didn't have somebody like that, you could turn to that had enough pull to bring somebody mm -hmm. in that right. was that was get things done you know yeah it's easy to keep doing the same old thing but you got when you're going down a new alley mm -hmm. you got to have you got to have a totally new set of eyes yeah because if you look the same thing all the time you get where you can't see it right right and that's kind of what we we got stagnated on the mm -hmm. back part of the car there i thought Let's talk about the, um, you know, Pro Stock now, they have the, uh, you can run a Chevy in every car, you can run a Chrysler in any car, uh, it's kind of a homologated engine situation, but Alan Brzezinski is still running Hemi stuff, Dodge stuff, and I think some of it is your old stuff. Uh, from what I hear, the 10.5 engine RPM rule hurt the Dodges more than it hurt anyone else. And do you, do you agree with that? He's, he's coming back. It looks like he's figuring it out. He's finding some power. Um, I'd just like to, to know your thoughts on that. And if you see that combination being able to come back and be competitive, you know, Alan's trying, Alan Brzezinski, not your son, Alan, but um, what do you see for that combination? Because he's got his fans and they're, they're flying the flag. And just like we started off this show talking about, like there are people that are dodging the heart and they don't care. Uh, they're not switching. I think that uh, 
the 10-5 rule, I don't think that done anything for it. I think we had tailored the cylinder heads on our engine mm -hmm. to run a higher RPM limit. And us not having a solid sponsor, and about that time, Dodge, you know, they, yeah, dropped, right, right. they dropped the bullet. And my thinking would be the cylinder head needs to be totally different. And just before that all Dodge left mm -hmm. us, I've got a casting at, at the house, the new head that me and some others, it never did it was produced. We okay. just had a sample for me to fit on the motor right. and, and tweak and do. And I think that would have been the answer. Okay. would still be the answer, but Dodge is not around to, uh, to make it happen anymore. But, you know, along about in 16, see the fuel injection was 16, along about early 17, I was brought this up try to try to get that head casted and get going on a new direction. Right. And Dodge said, well, we're not spending no money on it. That's you. We'll give you a number if you want to do it and see, get it approved by the NHRA. Well, we wouldn't, we wasn't going to spend the money on right. it. So everything pointed to a dead end road for us. Right. So the last, the last, when we quit, 18, 17? 17, I believe. The latter part, all I used was just leftover parts and right. not without spending m much sure. money. And what what, uh, what would it take to get that cylinder head going again for those, because, uh, you know, multiple combinations, if it's just one cylinder head casting away, people well, would be into that. Crowdfunded. First off, I, you know, the engineer that did that in Dodge, I don't know, they probably own the patent. Probably so, probably had the IP on it. You know, there. you'd have to go back and it, it is totally a my thinking a different approach and for it work or not i don't know but i think it would give us the area that we were lacking with fuel injection right the chevy's always produced a little more torque down low mm -hmm. and that was the direction we were pointing to try to try bring to some of this back a little bit mm -hmm. and uh, so that that was my thought where it would work or not i don't know but Anyway, it's a plastic casting on the shelf. Yeah, somewhere, yeah, 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 exactly. Well, I know the, the Dodge guys were kind of cool about that because I remember uh, meeting Ted when I worked for Melling because we were one of the Dodge NASCAR teams. And oh. they even brought us like 3D printed manifolds. Oh, yeah, I've got Plastic some. manifolds and things. And that was in 2001. Yeah. And just did some, they, they were seen, they were very innovative. Yeah. When they were in, when they were full on the motorsports, they had some real drive to them, seemed like. The the early engineers, when I say early, I'm talking about through the mid-2010, mm -hmm. 8, long yep. I mean, if I mention something, they refine it that night and tell me, well, you're crazy, or that looks good. Right. We're going to research it a little further, you know, and that's that helped us keep Oh, yeah. Helped us keep up. We had an air cleaner. Right, because you know the NASCAR deal, you had the air inlet at the back of the hood. Right, mm -hmm. we took a had some ideas on that. They actually did a CFD model. It took them 24 hours for the computer to process to make this CFD model of how the air moved over the cat over the hood, up the windshield, down into the cow. So the idea that you had before was that you had this cow. You were trying to like capture air, thinking that oh, it's falling the hood, it's going to drop in. You're trying to capture it. No, no, no. All the air was coming down the windshield. 
so you made this cowl that would basically take the air down the windshield and try to make it as smooth as possible. So you didn't have that big lip where it would detach, make it flow. And then we made like a, a floor so the air cleaner would sit in it. So it would, didn't have to go over the step. I mean, they, and they would just, again, they took sometimes 24 hours for them to do a, a CFD model, but then you knew for certain whether or not that was a good idea or not. Yeah. Well, that's like they just grew this head I'm talking about. It's plastic, got yep. all the bolt holes in it, everything. Yep. That I could set right on the block and say, oh, this ain't going to work. We're going to have to move it. Or, and that was my part in it. They'd take the idea and we, they'd go it and grow it. And then they'd, how does that fit on the motor? Right. Oh, this is going to have to be moved. We got problem there. But I was so excited about it. and But we never got off first base yeah. with it. Speaking of 3D printing, guess what that was? Tomorrow, we will have a segment. Charles Navarro will be sitting right here with me and you, Joe. Excellent. Talking about 3D printing, and he's got some examples, too. So. Oh, can't wait. Can't yeah. wait. We'll, we'll, we'll sneak ahead for tomorrow. Tell your friends, EnginePerformanceExpo.com. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that people are logged on all day long for yeah. some of the great moments we've already had. But uh, I can't let it go, man. So we're just, we're just one cylinder head away from maybe Dodge being competitive again in pro stock. We got to get that to happen. Who do I talk to? Who do I pressure? <laughs> Who do I tell? Make the cylinder ad. Come on, let's do it. Well, nobody in Dodge. They, the, the, my last words were, they don't. We don't nothing to do with pro stock. Yeah, well, yeah. things change. It happens. Season, seasons come around. People right? change yeah. their minds. Yeah. So what you been doing since you? I've just been honeydews. There you go. Now you guys got a factory showdown car for a little while. We had that for a little while, but what was that, that was, like? What was that like? Step back in time. Hell, I'm too old now. I can't work on it. <laughs> right. Well, dealing with that, that's the challenge of those things. They're super quick. They're super fast. They're awesome, but they're hard to work on because it's a real car. Fenders on all of that. Oh, that was after being used to the pro car. Mm -hmm. I just couldn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you know, Alan gave me that drag pack for Christmas and, you know, I tried to work on it some and, you know, I'm just so stiff and. Plus, I just didn't enjoy that hard work anymore. That's <laughs> yeah, not hard work. Yeah. yeah, it's not, uh, you, you know, if you want to be competitive in that, you can buy that car and go race it, and it's fun, and it's quick, and it's great. Mm -hmm. If you want to run, in fact, for showdown, oh. it's just like what you guys had to do with it. It's you super have to take competitive. take everything apart and build it back up from scratch right. in your racer way. You got to refine it every day, 24-7, mm -hmm. you know. No matter how good you are today at doing that, tomorrow you can do it a little better. better. Yeah, there's always a little bit of room yeah. for improvement. Yeah, and that was taking that motor in and out. I never did it. I said, Alan, if you want that motor in and out, you do it and get somebody <laughs> else to do it. I'd help hold sometime, but I ain't taking all that crap. Them bolts you just couldn't hardly get to it. Oh, yeah, some of these things, yeah, they, like whoever designed this thing, they were never going to work on it. Right. <laughs> well, and that's the truth uh, all the time. I think we talked about that on Hidden Horsepower. Yeah. What was it like running the, uh, the boosted stuff? being an na guy and then switching to uh supercharged that had to be kind of an interesting uh transition the first time i pulled it on the dyno it scared me i thought it was blowing up and <laughs> things make 900 foot pounds of torque wow oh i couldn't believe it how many cubic inches were three 354. 350 354 so yeah. three foot pounds essentially per cubic inch I oh. said, Oh, I didn't oh. make a full pull. I just pulled. I said everything was smoking, you know. <laughs> well, see the the blower makes so much heat. Yeah. And I just hadn't seen nothing like it. I just Alan said, "What's wrong?" And I said, "Hell, I think it's blowing up." <laughs> but uh, it 
it just it made uh, I made thirteen hundred horsepower and nine hundred and twenty wow. five foot pounds of torque, and I didn't know what I was doing. I just uh, was yeah. just trying to learn. Right. Yeah, and that's why it's one of the popular new categories, relatively new. People, you know, it's it's modern, something people can relate to, and you know, the kids they love the boosted stuff, one way or another. Oh yeah, it's, that's the thing, right? I mean, it's a boosted age. You've got the pro charger, superchargers, turbochargers. It's the computer technology. It seems like has enabled what we've kind of known for a long time that mechanically supercharging something can make it more powerful. Yes. Mm -hmm. But now you have the ability to control it so much better that it's not as risky, maybe as it used to be, or the reliability is so much better. Yeah, it um, it sure you could tear up a lot of parts if you. Especially if you didn't get the energy cooler turned on, you know, mm -hmm. to circulate the water. <laughs> Alan come back from running we was in Atlanta. He came back and I said, Alan's missing a smoking. Why it ain't missing? I said, Yeah, it is. He burned a hole right through the piston and the cylinder wall. <laughs> <laughs> the intercooler's kind of important. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, Note to self. Note yeah. to self. The uh, the fuel injection move. A lot of people still to this day think it was a mistake, perhaps. I want your opinion on that. I, I've been watching them. We just talked with uh, John Kazi mm -hmm. about the, you know, the air inlet being right on the track, so much hotter. We have yet to eclipse the previous ET record uh, and speed record pre-fuel injection. But, you know, they're tuning with computers. It's interesting. Maybe there's a new wave of tuners coming in. Uh, when you look back on that and you didn't get the cylinder head that you thought would have worked best with that combination. But, um, you know, what, what are your thoughts looking back? Well, one, I'm sorry that I didn't jump right into computer tuning earlier. I let Alan do that because right. he's a computer guru and he's 20 years younger than I am. And so I'm sorry for that. But since then, I've gotten more involved with just street stuff, right. doing street work. I think probably NHRA should have done that five years sooner or, or maybe sooner than that 20 years sooner like, yeah, maybe well, the guy in the other room was pushing it in 1990 i think yeah. yeah well i mean i think had they had made the change back then and used throttle body instead of the, right. what they exactly. did and left the hood scoop on it i think everybody the public would have loved it right i think you're spot on i mean it's the expo deal last year that ben strader did that did a combination right so same ls engine holly uh dominator versus their sniper EFI, throttle body injection. Mm -hmm. Made the exact same power. Well, just with, by just swapping them. But yeah, then, then you wouldn't have to change the look of the car or any of that. You could have had all, all the advantages of EFI without having to do all that other change if you just had done a throttle body. Well, you look at the cost of just changing the hood. Oh. The front end. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, and of course, you know, the segment right now is brought to you by Holly. What they have been able to do mm -hmm. with the person at home, right, who just wants to bolt something on and have it learn and have it perform at its wow. maximum, that is amazing. And to make that connection, like the person who watches Pro Stock, who's got a project car at home, and then well, I want to have that and say that it's the same, to have a carburetor on there in the year 2021, that, to me, it just doesn't make sense anymore. Well, I am just finished a product, project last week, and it was throttle body fuel injection. And I didn't even know nothing about the system when we started, mm -hmm. but just a phone call or two and a couple of days later, we were right there with it, you know, right. made uh, 
600 and some foot pounds of torque and 600 and some horsepower. Right. And it I mean, was throttle body. Yeah, that, that sniper system they have with the throttle body, you don't even need a laptop. When it's the got a little, old, yeah. little old digital thing. Yeah, it's like smaller your phone. He's, yeah. You, you, done. So you wish you had dived into the computer stuff earlier. Yes. I was doing engines and I thought if I can do the best I can on the engine, let somebody else worry about all of that other. Right. To right. be fair, the computers didn't work as well back then. You know, we are benefiting from the hindsight of the best computers we've ever had. And they're super fast and they're super user friendly and everyone's got it all dialed in now. Back then, it wouldn't have been nearly as easy. No, but at least I didn't know how to turn turn things on and off. <laughs> <laughs> Makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah, it's too good. But that's the regret I had. Right. But I mean, that's part of what the expo is about: is sharing that. Like, hey, listen, you need to jump into the computer stuff now. Yes. Don't hide from it. Embrace it. Yeah. I know one of the segments coming up later today is the uh, Samtech and their CNC programming so we know that cnc machines help things be more repeatable increase productivity but you gotta learn how to program it yep and so you just embrace it don't hide from it jump into that technology is what i'm hearing you say yep that's exactly you know i was in the dealership service manager when it started coming on the street and i you stay in this mm -hmm. some of them did and some of them still in it some right. of them fell by the wayside yep, makes sense so pro stock are you done done is We're there good. any inkling any thought like hey power is available and maybe and you can call jerry haas tomorrow and who knows you guys could be back in it just like you did the first time no no that chapter's closed that chapter's closed <laughs> i've got Alan's little brother's got a little S10 pickup truck he runs brackets with. Nice. That's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's I it. Got you. I got you. Are we going to see you at the Thunder Valley Nationals this weekend? I doubt it. Really? Yeah. You come hang out with us? I, no. I He's hanging out here today, apparently. Yeah. yeah. That was good enough for me. No. I, I'll, I'd like to see my friends, but for the rest of it, no. I got you. Yeah. No, I'll I tell you what, Roy, it was, uh, it was great. Like, this was great having you here. And I appreciate it. And this is what hitting horsepower is really oh, all this about. Oh, is, this is. Mess with the podcast is all about is being able to have somebody like yourself come and share your story and communicate that passion. And people understand what it really takes to do this. People aspire to this kind of stuff. But what does it really take to do it? I mean, you showed it today. Every every Everything about it. It's just like if you could encapsulate what hitting horsepower is about and what this industry is about, man, you shared it. So thank you so much for well, I'm glad you asked being, me to come. Was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't touch on? We got it all. I think you got it all. We got it so. all. We go, <laughs> there we go. That's awesome. what we do. This Hidden Horsepower is a throwback to the Engine Performance Expo to remind you that the 2023 Engine Performance Expo will be January 13th and 14th. Go to YouTube, type in Engine Performance Expo, subscribe, click the bell. You'll never miss a second. People are signing on as we speak. It is going to be great. And Hidden Horsepower, the next couple of weeks, we're going to have great guests from the Engine Performance Expo to give you a taste of what it's all about. And if you love Hidden Horsepower, write us a review. Give us five stars, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and remember, always make Total Seal your first call, not your last call. I'm Joe Costello, and we'll see you next time on Hidden Horsepower, presented by Total Seal.